So, good. Um, rule of life is what we have been pushing into this sermon. If you are, not, if you are new to us, sorry, I'm not going to recap everything. You'll need to catch up. And I'm going to be really honest with you, church, that as, as I was walking down this morning and just praying a bit earlier this morning, I'm thinking, Lord, is this, is this appropriate for today, you know, in the light of last night, in the light of where we find ourselves again? Surely we might just change tack and, and I might speak off the cuff on, on hope or light or, or something that just kind of reassures us in a, in a time of further uncertainty and that, and that invigorates. And I felt the Lord saying, no, actually, Tim, this is really, really important because this rule of life, which might sound like a slightly strange phrase, ultimately is incredibly significant for holding us in connection with God, who is at the center of everything after all, whether we like that or acknowledge that or not. But we're saying that the rule of life is something that enables us, as Scatsero calls it, that's intentional plan to keep God at the center of everything. And friends, I have never known a time in my life, frankly, nor have you, when it is more important for us to keep God at the center of everything, at the center of our thinking, as well as the, therefore at the center of our, our thinking and our, and our acting. So this is actually hugely fundamental. So I'm going to continue in this series and uh, be, sort of honor the, the, the way that we've set this up, because God always knows what he's doing. We're not really going to change tack, but I do want to remind us this is so fundamental. It's a bit back to the grapefruit milkshake thing. You, you remember this familiar illustration where, where life is not divided up into neat segments. We don't have our, our working life and our, and our recreational life and our family life and our financial life and our emotional life. And oh, yes, over here is my Christian life. You know, that, that sort of spiritual bit of my life where I, I go to church. Don't even get me started on that phrase. Uh, and, and do various religious things and maybe join a home group and do some praying. That's my, that's my Christian. And no, you, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, your Christian life is your life. So we're milkshakes, not grapefruit, right? We don't, the, that, the, the grapefruit thing was a Greek way of kind of seeing the world divided up into all these different compartments. More Jewish, holistic way of thinking is the milkshake. No, God at the center of everything. God is, if my God is not the God of all of it, then he's not really my God, is he? Let's, we have to face that. Somebody said if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You might find that challenging, but th the reality is that we need, we need the Lord so much all of the time. We need the Lord uh, in, in everything. So this rule of life that we're continuing, these, these uh, commitments, if you like, I guess ultimately that's what they are. It, don't be off-put by the word rule. It's a bunch of commitments that are, that are decisions, that are habits, that form rhythms, that are part of the way that we do life. And we all have them, by the way. The question is, how healthy are they? And so we've been examining that. We've been putting that, if you've been part of this church, the encouragement is to feed off the yes and messages on Sunday, but actually to do that by ourselves, to do that with others, to do that in households, in, in life groups, and so on. And explore these things and allow ourselves to be uh, spoken to by God and, and, and to, to make some decisions that therefore adapt in these uh, sorts of areas. And so uh, for practical purposes, we've, we've put these various commitments and ways of thinking under four big umbrellas, prayer and Bible and learning and all of that kind of stuff, and then rest. So we live from a place of rest. Sabbath came under that, a whole bunch of other things. Invitation to explore then relationships for the last couple of weeks. And we're into the, the final area for this week and next week. And it's, it sounds rather dry. Work and service. There is your uh, deeply attractive bucket, uh, it, 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 which we're going to be just thinking about or to begin to guide our thinking. Work and service. And as ever, just some food for thought today. Big headlines, really. 
But I want to say, uh, even as we kick off, as dry as that sounds, a reminder, this is part of the way that we love. Ultimately, it's all about love. Let's keep connecting it to the God of love who's with us, who's for us, who today says, I love you. If you hear nothing else, hear that God loves you again, the foundation of everything. But work and service, serving is a way of demonstrating love. Let's just remind ourselves, John 13, 1. I love this, Jesus with the disciples. And then in one translation, it says, and now he showed the full extent of his love. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what's he going to do? Jesus is going to show the full extent of his love. What's he going to do? This is going to be amazing. Remember, next verse, what does he do? Grabs a towel, takes off his outer garments, gets on his knees, and washes the muck off their feet. The full extent of his love, he washes their feet. Serving is loving. It's the heart of what it's all about. So our motive behind service, work and service, is actually to be loving. Okay, three areas. I'm going to move quite fast. These are big areas, but uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak and then... After this, through the, through the week, let's engage imaginations and, and listening to him and so on. Serving in our daily work, whatever that is for you. I don't want to make assumptions, you know, that whether you're in employment full-time or otherwise, whether you're in full-time education, whether you're retired, whether you're uh, at home raising kids, whatever your daily work constitutes. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, your daily stuff, whether it's in word or deed, and by the way, this is the whole of life again, the whole of life reminder, holistic thing, the milkshake thing. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's at the center of it all. Giving thanks, that keeps us connected to God. Giving thanks, by the way, keeps us from self-pity as well. Those of us feeling sorry for ourselves in the light of restrictions and all of that kind of stuff, totally understand that. We're not in denial. Life is pretty miserable in all kinds of ways and particularly so for a lot of people. But giving thanks is one of the things that keeps us connected to God. I mustn't get distracted. Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then a bit later, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, here's the phrase, as working for the Lord. So as we think about all of our our daily work and service and so on, as working for the Lord, not in the sense of being employed. He doesn't need employees. Not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Jesus that you're serving. And so, friends, I remind us that one of the Hebrew words for work is the same as one of the Hebrew words for worship. There's a lot contained in that sentence, but work as worship. So here's a phrase I'd love just to land with us, if it hasn't already, to cover this. Your workplace is your worship place. That's it. Remember that bit. Explore that bit. What are the implications for you? Your workplace, that thing that you give your daily energy to, is your worship place. In one sense, of course it is. Worship is a way of life. It's not just uh, you know, singing. We know that. It's an attitude. It's not just an event. It's a way of honoring God in the workplace, therefore, as much as anywhere else. So if your workplace is your worship place, what are the practices? Let's link it with the rule of, of life again. What are the practices? What are the habits? What are the mindsets? How does that work out? In your, in your rhythms, get creative. 
in this church family, I was just literally just kind of scanning my memory, which goes back quite a few years in this church. But even fairly recently, I've come across a primary teacher who goes into her school every morning uh, before the children arrive, and she puts her hand on each chair, and she prays over the chairs and the, or the children who are going to sit in those chairs. It's one of her habits. It's a practice. It's a part of it. She does it almost without thinking now. It's worship. Her workplace is her worship place, and that's one of the ways she expresses it. I, by the way, used to do it when I was a teacher. used to do the same sort of thing. I was marking French homework. Work. There's a, a joy I'm glad to be <laughs> beyond. Um, but you know, I, 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 more often than not, I'd, I'd pray something for the student whose book I was marking, and not so that their French would improve, although that as well. Uh, young mums who, who uh, are out and about. I know a young mum in this uh, family who, as she goes out with the buggy regularly uh, just down the, the street to the shop, will pray for opportunity to bump into somebody else, typically other young mums in her, in her area, her residential area, in order to be able to bring something of encouragement and opportunity. I know uh, medical people in, in the family here, uh, physios and nurses, doctors and so on, whose habits is to pray quietly over their patients. Um, that they know they're going to see. So you might be, I don't know what, a gardener, a civil servant, uh, a marketing person, a software designer, a carer, a student. Fill in your blank. What does it look like for you, for your workplace, to be your worship place? Brother Lawrence, remember, his workplace was the monastery, sweeping the floors, washing up the pans, peeling the potatoes. He developed a habit of prayer and thanks and worship and for his workplace to be his worship place. I know business people, I know office workers, and their whole mindset has kind of shifted by this way of seeing. Because what are the implications for conversations with your boss if your workplace is your worship place? What are the, what are the implications for the way that you talk to customers on the phone or to clients or to colleagues or the way that you write emails or the way that you even interact with the screen in front of you if you have one? All kinds of answers to that question. I had the privilege of uh, being part of a life group for a, a good while. You'll remember with a lovely guy called Mal. He's moved on to a different church now. But uh, what started with a small prayer along these lines, Lord, how do I make my workplace my worship place, developed over a course of time into all kinds of amazing opportunities. And he was a brave man in a very hostile, secular series of workplaces. Uh, but beginning to set things up, he, he, he formed various CUs. He helped other, began to form, help other companies to form Christian unions and that sort of thing. Genesis 10, is a, there's a beautiful little um, half a verse, Nimrod. Remember Nimrod in the Bible? Probably not. Nimrod, Genesis 10, verse 12. He's described as a mighty hunter. That's his work. He's a hunter. But not just that, he's a hunter before the Lord. His workplace was his worship place. He's a hunter. I've no idea what that means, by the way. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. What's a hunter before the Lord? I've no idea. What's a butcher before the Lord? I don't know, but he was. So there are you. What are you? Add before the Lord after it in terms of your, you know, your, your daily work. What does that look like? Marketing manager before the Lord. Civil servant before the Lord. Spy before the Lord. Brilliant. Love that. Worship, workplace is your worship place. So that whole area, friends, we need, let's do some exploring. Let's do some work if you haven't already. What, and not just kind of one-off things, but what, what forms part of the, your mindset that forms part of your rhythms, your decisions, your commitments, your commitments. Serving in community, fairly obviously next massive area again, serving in the community, work and service. So what does serving in the community, by which I mean you know, out and about, 
A couple of Sundays ago was another of these scattered Sundays. Sorry, I forgot to say this is one of our scattered Sundays. We just meet today at 10 o'clock. Um, yeah, like Hill said, next week we would normally be gathering at 10, 4, and 6. We'll have to work out what that looks like. But scattered... Um, uh, so in terms of opportunity, maybe to, 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 to think about how am I reaching the community? So here, um, a, a beautiful testimony came in. Just let me read part of it from Pam. Uh, Since moving into our temporary accommodation, we've had a real sense from God to put some notes through the doors of neighbors, inviting them into a group WhatsApp chat in order that we grow a sense of community here. Beautiful. Modeled, by the way, by something she saw the Mearses do who are here this morning. And we chose that Sunday, two Sundays ago, to do it. Uh, And then there's this lovely testimony of healing right in the middle. And I'm not going to go into it just too much. But she felt this. She was at home watching online. She felt this terrible stabbing pain in her hip. Uh, at the moment that they were about to go out, really bad pain. At that moment, Pam said she had to go to bed because she, uh, a, um, not only was the pain bad, but a kind of, um, she had suffered from depression. A depression came over, and I'm sharing this with her permission. And uh, she found herself in bed, and the only thing she had energy for was to, as she said it, uh, I reached for my phone and I tuned into church. <laughs> then we love it, watch church. Uh, but that's what she did. Sensible decision. At that moment, Karis was standing here, and Karis says, I, f- I think there's somebody who's, who's got a thorn in their side, by which Pam interpreted that as a, a pain in their hip, physical pain in their hip. And Karis prayed into that. At that moment, a bit of electricity went up uh, Pam's body. She said it even came out in her cheek. She had goosebumps in her cheek. And who gets goosebumps in their cheek? So then she knew it was the Holy Spirit because it's happened before. It's one of the ways that God kind of moves in her and touches her, and she has a sense of And she immediately felt better, immediately. And she just knew that this was opposition to this idea of going out into the community, trying to create a sense of belonging in this new place where they're living. So, of course, with renewed vigor, she was immediately fine, full of energy, and they went out onto the street. They printed exactly the right number of uh, leaflets, whatever it is. They put them through all the doors. They got to the last door. They had one left. They put it through the door, and they've had so much encouragement back. And that WhatsApp group is beginning to fly, and they're doing pumpkin carving and, you know, Stuff that binds people together and just draws people with the love of God, serving in the community. Just brilliant. Friends, this is not rocket science, is it? Do I, I almost don't need to say more, do I? Other than the encouragement to do it, for us to do it, to be, to be thoughtful about this. And again, not in a sort of one-off, oh yes, I've done my good Christian duty, but as a, as a way of being, as a way of expressing the love of the Father who loves us. Because it's all about that, isn't it? And I know we can feel depleted, and this might feel like oh, another thing I need to, to think about. No, let's not think about it in those terms, but let's rise up. Let's be the people who go, my, God's grace is sufficient. God wants to use me, even in my weakness. What do I normally do? I mean, maybe that's, that's a way of thinking. It's some questions to get us going. What do, what do I normally do? Well, I normally go um, running on a Monday evening. So I know I'll invite some other people to go running with me on a Monday evening. And lo and behold, we get the Monday gang who run on Cleve Hill and have been doing for two or three years. And it's a lovely bit of community forming because everybody's welcome. I think it's on Facebook if you want to join with that. What do I normally do? What could people join in with? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? What do I want to see change? Good question to ask. Typically, these are things that we, we already either are doing or want to do. or you know, We love baking. Lots of you love baking. Again, I, choosing real examples, I know somebody in this church who loves baking. Every month, they bake something. Praise to God, who shall I give this cake to or these cookies to or whatever? And they go and deliver them, either anonymously or not. Blessing in the community. 
folk involved in different charities seeking to end modern-day slavery. There's lots of those kinds of things. Somebody who loves walking dogs came across this during lockdown. And so she started walking dogs for elderly neighbors who find it tough to get out. Brilliant. Serving in the community, loving, just showing God's love. There's the team that make lunch and bless vulnerable kids and families in our community. Some of these things are more organized, some of them more individual. There's a friend of mine, in fact, he's here today. He works on his house, does a lot of work on his house. From time to time, in fact, quite often, he'll invite somebody, another bloke who's maybe a bit lonely and a bit bored and a bit, you know, needs a bit of encouragement. Come on, come, come and do some work with me. And they, and they chat and he encourages him through the day as they fix the house together. Sponsoring a child, writing them, litter picking, street parties, babysitting, um, fostering. Gosh, I mean, that's a, that's a big one, but somebody's taking that on uh, as we speak in the life of this church. Visiting a care home. I know all of these things happen, and, and you don't need more examples. Please don't hear, do more, try harder. I'm not saying that. But do hear, is my heart becoming that of a servant? Not just do I do a bunch of acts of service. I don't really like that phrase. But is my heart being so softened and molded and shaped by the love of God that I receive that it is expressing itself in serving? We might not even think of it as serving, as loving. Folks in our community who, my goodness, need loving and need connecting with the love of God. Some of us haven't got much time, but we might have money. It doesn't take a long time to make a bank transfer, write a check if they still exist, you know, chuck that through somebody's door or some money in an envelope or whatever it is, or support some of our mission partners in prayer um, further afield. Serving at work, your workplace is your worship place. Serving the community, we're blessed to be a blessing. Sorry, I forgot the, the biblical reference, just to anchor this in the scriptures, by the way. Uh, uh, to, to Abraham, the Lord says, I will bless you. We love that. It's in our Bedroom, it's the first thing we look at every morning. I will bless you. Thank you, God, you're going to bless me. You're a God of promise. But then, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. That's how it works. Sure, we get blessed partly for our sake, but then partly for the sake of the world. This is the divine principle. It's how he set the whole thing up. Abraham, Israel, the people of God, now the church. It's our role. It's our function. It's our purpose. It's our honor and our delight. Serving in the family of the church, the last big section, just quickly. This local expression of the body of Christ. John Wimber used to say, uh, if you don't know who John Wimber is, look him up. He single-handedly, I think, is responsible under God for a huge amount of uh, the way that the church is in in these days. Uh, Everybody gets to play. That was his phrase. Everybody gets to play. Not just sort of people who have microphones and stand at the front of a building and all of that. No, of course. And we know that. Everyone gets to play. Apostle uh, Peter put it like this. As everyone has received a gift, abilities, passions, stuff, blessing, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace in order that Jesus be glorified. Or writing to the Galatians, he said this. So then as, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, interesting, and especially those who are the household of faith. Interesting. All through the New Testament, by the way, this kind of often applies to the household of faith. Isn't that a bit inward-looking when we're serving in the church? Isn't serving supposed to be out there, community evangelism, outreach, all of that? Well, actually, no. Two sides of the same coin. What does Jesus say? As you love one another, to the extent that you love one another deeply, the world gets to know that you're my followers. So both matter so much, don't they? It matters that we love one another. 
matters that we therefore serve one another. I don't know what Christmas is going to look like. Nobody knows what Christmas is going to look like this year. But as a, uh, in our family, in our household, probably in yours too, Christmas comes around, there's a few traditions, and everybody gets to do something. Grandpa is always responsible for the brandy butter. That's just his thing. He has to do the brandy butter, and we like him doing that. That's his thing. Somebody else peels the potatoes. Some of the kids lay the table. We all get to serve. That's what households, healthy households do. It's the same in the family of church. We get to serve one another. We might not always like it. There might not be a special gift of putting out chairs, but somebody needs to do it, or making coffee, or whatever it is. So, friends, just another invitation to think, what does my serving, my loving of the household of faith look like? If you'd say that this uh, trinity describes your local church, this is where you have a sense of belonging. And if you don't, you're watching online your, your own fellowship, wherever that is. Get involved, get stuck in, not because we need you. I hate that phrase. It's not about that. It's about this is a healthy expression of the body of Christ. We love each other. And some of that comes with the title. Some of that comes with, I'm on the, the, the hosting team. I, I, I'm, I'm on the Sozo prayer team. I help King's Table, whatever. Lots of it doesn't. Lots of it's invisible. Lots of it just happens as the body loves the body, as you give your thing uh, intentionally, not just sort of with the leftovers. This is an intentional thing. Big churches have dangers, by the way, of kind of feeling as if everything's sorted. The staff run everything and you can join in if you like. I mean, you know that's nonsense. Virtually nothing happens in the life of this church, and a lot does without everybody getting to, 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 to play their part. But we keep needing to, to say it. It's not a practical point. It's a theological one. It's for the mission of the church. It's for the glory of God. It's actually for our own health and our own growth as lovers and servants of Jesus that we love the body that we love each other even when it's a bit painful and a bit inconvenient. That's what love is, right? Not just when it's convenient and easy. So I want to say, are you on a team? Are you serving? Where are you serving in the life of the church? Have a think about that under these three big headings. Not just a thinker listening to God. Been so blessed. Actually, even in this week of isolation, we've been very loved by all kinds of different things, including a lovely meal that arrived on our doorstep. Thank you for loving. Everyone gets to play. Work and service then. Your workplace is your worship place. In the community, we're blessed to be a blessing. In the life of the church family, everyone gets to play. So five frogs are sitting on a log. One decides to jump off. How many are left on the log? Five. Because deciding, as good as it is, is still not the same as doing. And friends, we're just getting to the point as we track through this term. What is the rule of life looking at? Let's, we've got a little bit more to go, Andrew, next week. But there needs, I think, to be an encouragement. Okay, what does this look like? What's the, what's the now what for us, Lord? It might just be one thing from the whole term that you change in the way that you approach the rhythm of your life. But God is encouraging us. Why? Because it connects us to him. It's a plan that keeps God at the center of everything. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but do you want the Lord Jesus to be the center of your life right now? That everything comes from him. Everything revolves around your relationship with him. Everything springs from the love and grace that you receive from him in order that we can then function well in the world and be the light of the world and be the hope bearers of the world to a world that is no significant darkness and many people knowing significant lack of hope. Well, friends, it's time that we rise up and this is all part of that. This is for that. Amen.